Man, it feels good to be living eternally. I'm forgiven without a care in the world. Just catch me coasting and dipping. Catch me moving around. I love exploring this world. In and out of my town, I walk around. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to Dat Post Mill Podcast, where nowadays everybody want to talk like they got something to say, but nothing comes out when they move their lips. Just a bunch of gibberish, and everyone acts like they forgot how to pray. <laughs> Because what's going on nowadays is everybody's talking about abortion and Planned Parenthood, but Christians are like, this is the end times for sure, or yeah, this is what I expect from our culture, it's just going to be like that. But us at Dat Postmill aren't speaking gibberish. We not only believe in a sovereign God, we have an active king and a king that's ruling and reigning as we speak, and we haven't forgotten how to pray. Like uh, 1 John five fourteen and 15, and this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his... To his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. Or Matthew 7, 7, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened to you. So this current situation is going to be trampled under Christ the king's feet. It will be defeated. And when we pray, we actually believe God when he says that he will grant us our prayers according to his will. So it's time to be optimistic. All right, man. I like that rap in the beginning too. It's like a, it was a, it was a cool little rap, and then it went into like this uh, inspirational. It. I mean, are you rapping just because I'm back? Are you, was that for me? Or Did you? For, you didn't. You didn't. You didn't actually recognize it. Yeah. Well, no, I recognize that it's. Uh, it's. 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 Forget about Dre. Yeah. Okay. Eminem and Dre. Come on, dude. But. All right. I think it's good, man. I like it. You. You could be like the Christian, like. Al, uh, what's, what's the name? Y- Yankovich? <laughs> Weird Al. <laughs> Weird Al. Like, come up with all the, like, a Christian, Christian's, uh, version of all that. Oh, yes. I, I used, I used to write a lot of parodies, actually. I wanted to do that, but then realized that I think everyone likes to do that, and there isn't really any, uh, interest in it. <laughs> no, not everyone. Colin doesn't do that. I don't do that. Well. You, you can do that, bro. Just, just not you guys. I, I wrote a, I wrote a lot of them back in the day, <laughs> but we don't need to speak of them. They weren't very good. The issue, the issue. To, first of all, uh, I missed, I missed you guys. I'm glad, I'm glad to be back. Yeah, it's, it's glad to be back. I had a, I had a like an express course, my first course in seminary. So I kind of just took the time off to make sure I got all that done. And now I'm on a break. But um, I miss you guys. I cried every Monday when I, when I couldn't be with you. And uh, I have. You know your pictures in my wallet, and uh, <laughs> that's this is getting creepy. <laughs> the topic today is abortion. Uh, it, it is a timely topic. It's uh, you know with, with the with the video sting uh, that has come out with Planned Parenthood, we've had what four or five videos now come out. There's more to come. Um, finally, it's been announced that there's uh, there's a uh, federal investigation that's finally going to go into it. And there's even been states that have already, uh, like I know the governor of Alabama um, has already uh, cut off funding for Planned Parenthood. Um, so, so we have some some good news in that. But um, this episode being about abortion, there's so much we could say on it. We 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 want to keep it simple so that um, all of our listeners can can kind of follow follow along. The goal of the goal of today is kind of to is to build um, a framework. Uh, specifically dealing with abortion, and so we wanted to start with maybe our first segment here with uh, what what does the Bible say about abortion? What does the biblical worldview prescribe, or where does it direct us where to go when it comes to this issue? 
is the Bible such an old thing, such an old anthology? Is it relevant? And does it have any voice at all for 2015 with modern science and genetics and, and all, all these things that we know, uh, that the culture seems to know way better than the creator of all things who's revealed himself in his word? Um, so I asked, um, we, so we were asking Colin to kind of start off with our first segment here on a biblical, uh, a biblical understanding of abortion. And Colin, how are you, bro? I'm doing great. I'm pulling up the pulling up the passage right now. Sweet. And then after this, we'll take a little break and do a second segment on dealing with some arguments that maybe you are at work or uh, have a family member or just anywhere you go and you talk to people that don't have a biblical worldview. So surprisingly, maybe even in your church, who have these arguments, these weird arguments as to why abortion should be uh, allowed in some cases or why it's not wrong or, or this and that. So the second segment, we're going to be, be dealing with that. So you definitely want to listen to, the, to, to this episode. So this is a passage that people are probably rather familiar with. Psalm 139. I'm just going to start here in the middle in verse 13. For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. O praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. Scripture speaks of human beings in the womb as if they're human beings. There isn't any place in Scripture where it doesn't speak of human beings in the womb as anything other than human beings. And so from a biblical presupposition and a, and a biblical framework, you have to start with the assumption that uh, ba- that babies in the womb are human beings and they're alive because otherwise it wouldn't make any sense to say that God covered you in, in your mother's womb. You wouldn't be you in your mother's womb if you weren't human yet. If, if humanity begins at birth um, or, you know, at any point in time outside of the womb, then it wouldn't be you in the womb at all. And there's there's se- several passages passages throughout scripture that speak. It talks about it talks about even the the wicked. They come from the womb speaking lies, and so that talks about we're wrought forth in iniquity in our mother's womb. It, it's just there there is literally zero room for guesswork on whether or not whether or not life starts at conception. It's just a given. It's an assumption built into scripture, just like the assumption that. Like just like the assumption that marriage is a man and a woman from the very beginning of scripture to the very end of scripture, marriage is only spoken of as between a man and a woman. There's no, there's no room. It's not when people say there, you know, there's, well, we only have these six verses that speak about homosexuality. That's just not true. And the same thing goes for this, uh, from the beginning of scripture to the end of scripture, you never see any scripture speak of a child in the womb as anything but a human being and anything but alive and made in God's image. And that's the position that the church has held for a very, very long time, even under, like, I think, um, under the Roman Empire in the, in the first few centuries, it was not uncommon for people to just throw their babies away, literally take a born child, not even in the womb, take a, take a living human being child and throw it away. And Christians would go and rescue it because they knew that it was a living human being. And now people will agree with that today, uh, but they don't see the connection with abortion. Biblical law speaks to this too. If you think about it, what happens? What happens to us nowadays if uh, if somebody injures a pregnant woman and the baby dies along with the woman? Double. It's homicide. double homicide. Yep. 
That's biblical principle. If you strike a pregnant woman and the baby dies, that's killing two people. So where where do where would any Christian get the idea that this is not the case? It doesn't make any sense. And so because because the baby in the womb is a living human being, taking the life of that living human being is just as dastardly and vile as any other person taking the life of a human being, if not more. Because it's not just, you know, it's not, um, it's not in an act of, it's not in the, an act of passion. Literally the most susceptible, innocent being. Yeah, the, the, the creature to whom we could attribute the most innocent, because they haven't come out of the womb to do more sin than they were born with. The sin they were born with is all they got, right? And already, somehow people are justifying killing them, and it, it just doesn't make sense. So, from a, from a biblical standpoint, um, abortion is murder, and we should not be afraid to say that it's murder. Even to, even to people who have had abortions, because they need to understand the gravity of their sin, and thus the gravity of their need for a savior. It's pretty clear to just understand it, even though there's no specific passages addressing it, that it's, it's just, you can, you can, you can infer the fact that scripture speaks of babies in the womb as if they are humans. It doesn't need to explicitly state it. Yeah. The, um, yeah, I, I've had many conversations with, with, um, people that I know, I, I know many, many abortions that have taken place in with people I've known, I've grown up with. Um, not one of them is happy about it. Not one of them. And I, I, now I've met people that I don't know who were, so I'm not saying that this is a thing, but what I've been able to experience are women who like are full of regret and are disgusted by what happened. Um, I had, uh, recently a conversation with someone I've known for a very long time who said she was unnerved by a post that I did on social media about abortion and so I, my response to her was, yeah, I'm, I'm unnerved too. We need to, we need to protect these children. It is unnerving. It's horrible. And so she went in what I thought would be like just a, someone saying, oh, you know, the standard arguments, which we'll talk about in a minute. She actually came clean and without any type of debating, just said how horrible she feels every May 17th, because that's when she had an abortion. Um, she was literally like really coerced. She's very young and coerced by her boyfriend and by her mother and his parents. Um, she even mentioned that drugs were involved and all this stuff. But the bottom line, she didn't try to say though, oh, it wasn't my fault. She also, uh, basically confessed that she killed this child who would have been a, a young adult by now. And she really goes through depression on that. And so I, I was able to minister to her and just let her know that what she's dealing with is a conviction that she knows her sin, and therefore what the Bible tells us to do is that if we know that we have sinned, and she's already at a place where she's not making excuses, then go to the one who forgives, go to the one who creates and takes life, and cry out for mercy. And Christ is the one through whom we receive mercy. His righteousness and his victory uh, mean that we can even be atoned for in that. Now, having said that, um, it's so important that, that we, that we talk about because the only way that we can understand how great God's grace is in Christ in general, with sin in general, is to understand how heinous and disgusting, disturbing, twisted, unnatural, 
sin is. It's absolutely, dastardly, atro- atrocious thing. And there's so much sin that, that we're okay with that we're just so desensitized to. But then we come to this sin of abortion, the murder of a defenseless child, not even able to breathe on their own yet. You know, they're not even uh, independent of mother's body. And we really have to to understand how heinous that is. And that should bring us to our knees as a church, because how great is God's grace? How great is the power of the cross that something so disgusting and heinous, someone can be delivered and liberated from that as well. Um, but we do. Colin, man, you're absolutely right. I think that we, the church wants to name it. We like to name sins, different things. Um, but we need to call abortion what it is. It is murder. Um, and it is it is a probably murder of, of the worst kind because, as Dustin pointed out, it's the most defenseless, most vulnerable human being. If we're supposed to take care of widows and orphans, what are we supposed to do for defenseless unborn children? Um, it's really... Uh, it's really big. So, yeah, I, um, I also think about, um, you know, David's consequence for his sin with Bathsheba and the murder of her husband. You know, that baby dies. And what does David say? Anyone remember? What does David say when they tell him finally that the baby's died? He gets up out of the ashes. He gets out of his seeking of, of the baby because he's petitioning for the baby's life. And the assumption is that that baby is now with with God. Um, and, and I think that, that that speaks volumes theologically for uh, the unborn and how rather than just being some biological tissue that, um, you know, we'll get into that second segment, but it's, it is the image of God in the womb. Um, the, the God himself became a fetus. Um, God himself came through that means. God himself was always uh, was all, who's always been God, who's always existed, became a fetus. Think about that. That that's powerful. Um, who are we to uh, judge anything other than the, than what the Bible says? The Bible is very clear, and and Collins pointing out of, of Psalm one thirty nine and and Dustin's thoughts, and I think looking at David and and just understanding our ministry to people who are in these situations. Um, I think it's really important that we as Christians repent and just get a biblical worldview, like of all things, because it's life or death. Theology is life or death. If you don't have a biblical worldview, children die. And I think we need to, we need to get to that. Yeah. I think, I think the, the issue that I have with the modern church on the abortion issue is not that they don't think that it's wrong and not that they don't speak out against it, but that they don't realize how heinous it really is because we would look back at Hitler and say that uh, we would look at what Bonhoeffer did in trying to assassinate Hitler and say, like, absolutely, like, that was completely justified. And he definitely should have done what he did in at least attempting to assassinate Hitler because the crimes that Hitler committed against the Jews and other people were so horrific. And yet, um, the United States murders more unborn children every year than Hitler ever did in his entire life. Hitler killed, what, 1.1 million Jews? And we're at 1.2 million per year. Per year, we kill more people than Hitler did in his entire, in, in the entire Holocaust. It's horrific, and we should be praying for God to bring judgment on the nation until she repents. 
And in fact, I, I think that at least from my perspective, I think that Christians, especially in America, should pray that God destroy America rather than let abortion continue. Like if God would will that we could abolish it and put to death the people uh, that participated in it, that would be excellent. But it would be better. It would be better that America didn't exist anymore than that so many people were murdered every year. Um, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna read a section from Revelation eight. I'm in Revelation eight verse three. And another angel came and stood at the altar, having a golden censer, and there was given unto him much incense, that he should offer it with the prayers of the saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense which came with the prayers of the saints ascended before God and out of the angel's hand. And the angel took the censer, filled it with the fire on the altar, and cast it into the earth. And there were voices, thunderings, lightnings, and an earthquake. And what follows this passage is the seven trumpets, um, which are continual, a series of judgments, God pouring out his wrath on the earth. And what this passage teaches us, and particularly verses 3 to 5, is that the prayers of the saints are uh, avail much. When we pray and cry out to God against the wickedness that we see, it's it's effective. God actually answers those prayers and sends judgment upon the wicked because of it. And so we should not be afraid to pray and sing the sing the words of Christ in the Psalms, like Psalm 83, uh, imprecatory, praying that the enemies of God would be destroyed and stuff like that. Like We need to stop being pansy America evangelicalism and actually pray that God would destroy his enemies. Yeah, I gotta, you got to hand it to Doug Wilson. He's been a pretty good, uh, outspoken um, anti-abortion pastor lately. He's been... Hitting, a, hitting it hard, especially since all the pan- Planned Parenthood stuff. But he has a, a good, um, there's a meme that was made with him. I think it was in one of his sermons where he said, abortion is the antithesis to the gospel. Abortion says, you will die for me to cover up my sins. The gospel says, I will die for you to cleanse you from yours. I'm going to read Psalm 83 just because it's so good. Keep not thou silence, O God. Hold not thy peace and be not still, O God. For lo, thine enemies make a tumult. And they that hate thee have lifted up the head. They have taken crafty counsel against thy people and consulted against thy hidden ones. They have said, Come, let us cut them off from being a nation, that the name of Israel may be no more in remembrance. For they have counseled together with one consent. They are confederate against thee. The tabernacles of Edom and the Ishmaelites of Moab and the Hagarenes, Gebel and Ammon and Amalek, the Philistines with the inhabitants of Tyre, Aser also is joined with them. They have holpen the children of Lot. Do unto them as unto the Midianites, as to Sisera, as to Jabin, at the brook of Kisson, which perished at Endor, they became as dung for the earth. Make their nobles like Oreb, and like Zeb, yea, all their princes, as Zeba and as Zalmana, who said, Let us take ourselves, take to ourselves the houses of God in possession. O oh my God, make them like a wheel, as the stubble before the wind, as the fire burneth a wood, and as the flame setteth the mountains on fire. So persecute them with thy tempest, and make them afraid with thy storm. Fill their faces with shame, that they may seek thy name 
O Lord. Let them be confounded and troubled forever, yea, let them be put to shame and perish, that men may know that thou, whose name alone is Jehovah, art the most high over all the earth. Proverbs chapter 24, uh, verse, starting in verse 10. If thou faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. If thou forbear to deliver them that are drawn unto death, and those that are ready to be slain, if thou sayest, Behold, we knew it not, doth not he that pondereth the heart consider it? And he that keepeth thy soul, doth he not know it? And shall he not render to each and every man according to his works? And I'm just remind, uh, reminded by the um, wholesale silence of the church on the issue or the downplay of it. You know, oh, we can't call it murder. That's mean. It's. I mean, it's not mean. It's not mean to rip apart a baby in the womb, but it's mean to call it murder. Got it. Yeah, gassing Jews. That's an atrocity, but. Ripping human beings to shreds in the safest place, or the place that should be the safest in the world. You shouldn't say that gassing Jews is is uh, bad in front of a Nazi because they might because he might feel uncomfortable. Yeah, he's like you're, like, you're, ju- you're judging him. There are a couple of them still alive. We don't we don't want to offend them. So you're right. We'll go ahead and yeah, we'll go ahead and that post mill. We'll release a statement apologizing to the Nazis. But despite all of the horrific, murderous intentions of the Nazis, they actually, you know, like Hitler really helped the German economy. Probably, it really was a good thing. I mean, the ends justify the means, right? That was that was satire. If you missed it, that was satire. I'm already right. Take I'm I'm, ta- I'm writing a note here to write a sati- satirical statement apologizing to the Nazis. P- post that on Facebook. Well, all right. Well, let's uh, let's go ahead and take a break, and we'll be right back with that post Welcome back. We are that post mill, and we're we got granted. We have a heavy uh, a heavy episode. With uh, the issue being of abortion, uh, but it's it's heavy because it's it it needs to be and it's it needs to be talked about. It needs to make us uncomfortable. It needs to unnerve us. It needs to rock us as God's people to repentance and action. Um, and that and that is that is our prayer here at that post mill. That is the prayer of all of us who are members um, actively in our in our own churches uh, that are part of that post mill. Um, that, that we, we would like to see in our communities uh, the atrocity of, of giving our children to Molech for sacrifice to end. Because that's basically what we see biblically is, is happening. Um, on the altar of convenience, on the altar of medical safety, or for reasons, all these other reasons, um, which brings us into this segment. If you are out and about and you are uh, talking about the biblical worldview in any area, you're going to likely very likely right now run into people who are going to disagree with you. They they don't have a biblical worldview. Sadly, even many who claim to have a biblical worldview will come and, and say, well, no, that's not what I believe, and I believe the Bible. Well, we as Christians need to be prepared for that when it comes to abortion, because there are all sorts of things that people say. And I'm just going to uh, briefly uh, men- mention this first one here. I was talking, and, and this is one that I, I've heard a lot over the years, but this one was really... Uh, the most recent and is where I was able to engage the most with this person. But the issue of abortion being one that is a personal moral 
choice. It is a preference for the mother who is, it's her body, it's her life, to do whatever she wants to do. Now, theologically, we can get into the authority of God, which we will, but when it comes down to it, this person started off with that argument and moved into, she's like, John, listen, if you don't like abortion, that's fine. Don't have one, but don't tell other people what to do. Now, we see the logical problem there. We see the moral problem there. We see how uh, really there's really absolutely nothing to stand on logically because if it's true that, uh, that uh, that we can say that about abortion, then giving the biblical perspective, what we can also say is, listen, if you don't like molesting children, the molesting of children, then don't molest children. It's fine, but don't stand in the way and try to tell other people what to do with their bodies and with their desires and what they want to do. If you don't like that that Nazis gas Jews, then don't gas Jews. But don't judge other people. That's exactly what 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 it comes down to is that the and here if we break down the argument of of the basically the unbeliever, I don't care where they're from. Like if you have a mind state like this, I can't. I'm. I'm. I'm really careful about judging your eternal destiny. But I will say this: you have no biblical worldview, and there's a great need for repentance in your life. And uh, we judge. We judge by fruit. And if you have that kind of understanding, then it really seems like Romans is speaking about you, about our understanding being darkened, and about us being given over to the God of this age and all those things. Because uh, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. That does not just mean that it's really, really dumb to be an atheist. What that means is, is that the foolishness of unbelief is manifest in the life of those who do not know him. Uh, it, it's it, The uh, unbeliever is known by their fruit, just like a believer is known by their fruit. And one of the main fruits that American Christianity has really stopped looking at is the fruit of intellect, of reason, which comes from God. So looking at the argument that if I don't like abortion, then it's fine. I just don't have to have one. That assumes that the Bible is not true when it speaks of murder being wrong. It assumes that God's word is not, it's a different worldview. And that's what this is, that human beings are not creating the image of God, but rather instead of the Christian worldview, it is a sec, it's secularism. It's the fruit of the enlightenment. It's this understanding that Christianity and religion is good for private religious experience, but it has no business being in the public square. And this understanding is where we get pluralism, which is really nothing more than practical societal atheism. This is the understanding that has come and corrupted our understanding of marriage, um, as if the state has ever been able to decide what marriage is or isn't in the first place. And it has redefined humanity. It is be- because of this understanding, we have pornography rampant as a billions a year industry in this culture. Because of this understanding uh, and relevant to this issue, even more importantly, we have over a million humans being killed in the womb every year because they're not human, according to secularism. The most important thing to secularism is the, is the person's autonomy, is the person's authority, um, God's word has no say, and it leads to logical absurdity, which we demonstrated in the beginning of this segment, that if you say abortion is okay, 
for whoever wants to do it, then it must also apply to all the other things that the Bible says are morally disgusting and apprehensible. Things that you agree with, unbeliever, when it comes to dealing with you. You don't want your child molested. You believe that Jews, it was wrong to, to kill Jews in the Holocaust. You believe it's wrong to kill old ladies and take their purse. You believe it's wrong to beat a child uh, to unconscious, to leave them in a dumpster, but yet you're okay with abortion. It is not because this is your idea and you have a, a right to choose your preference, but what we must understand is that it is because you have an inconsistent worldview. And the only cure is repentance and to know the scriptures and to align ourselves with what the Spirit of God says through his scriptures and not through what the culture has to say. And that's a big argument I think a lot of us will will, will hear. Um, it's, not a, it's not even an argument. It's just it's some weird assertion. But um, that's really one of the main ones because I just got out of that. Another, another argument that I hear, um, and actually probably... People who, uh, secularists who are on the fence on the abortion issue usually say, well, what about the case of rape? You know, why would you force somebody to have a child that they shouldn't have been having in the first place and don't want anything to do with the whole situation? Well, really what that boils down to, the logical issue there is, um, do we punish the child for the sins of his father? Is it, is it just, is it just to punish a child for the sins of his father? If the answer to the question is no, then that's already thrown out. All the, all the arguments, it, it, it's all easily explained and understandable when you come to the, under, the realization that it is a human inside the mother. And w once you get to, you, you break that, you break that idea that some people want to still Say it's still just a sack of cells. It's not, you know, this heart beating, twitching thing that's moving and has, you know, brain signals. When they finally admit that it is a human being, that's when the logic it easily can disprove all of these arguments. Because yes, like like you said, Colin, like do you kill somebody because they remind someone of a, a violent act? You know, when 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 they're two years old and they say, you, "I'm sorry, you're just you're still reminding me of that time that I got raped," you need to go. I mean, it's logically, if you understand that it's a human, none of these make any sense easily. The hard the hardest part is getting to that point, though. Ab abortion is one. I think it's actually easy to get to that point. I think that you have to be stupid to say that it's not a human being, and I don't say that lightly. I mean that seriously because let's just throw out the Bible. And as a presuppositionalist, I never do that. But I will grant you that the Bible doesn't matter for the sake of this conversation, right? How does science define a human? 46 chromosomes. Okay, so 46, so 46 chromosomes defines a human, right? Now, it's a fact of science that before conception, the egg and the sperm are alive, but they're not human because they're not 46 chromosomes. At conception, the cell is alive by science, by scientific standards. Okay? It's alive and it's human because it has 46 chromosomes. So if you're going to say that it's not human, you're just denying science. And so you have actually become the rabid anti-science psychopath that atheists claim that Christians are. In, or, in order to maintain that it's not a human being. 
Right. Yeah, and, and I agree. It is. It's easy to get to that point, and to it's it's you have to be deliberately not wanting to agree with it to not agree with that. But I, my, what I was saying is, it's the hardest thing to get someone to admit that. Yeah, that's the hardest step because they'll fight it tooth and nail with straw men, and it, it, it's just ridiculous. But that's the hardest point to get someone to to actually agree that it is a human because then they have to admit that they're killing a person. Yeah, man, the suppression of truth is so obvious on the issue of abortion. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely uh, a Romans one world that, that we live in. Um, and, you know, pr- praise, praise be to God who sent his son, who is now active, who is victorious over death and sin, who is reigning and who has sent his spirit into his people. And as his spirit filled people, we need to understand the biblical logic, the biblical worldview, the biblical framework. We need to be trained up and equipped, thoroughly equipped for every good work, the good work of saving lives, the good work of, of uh, calling society and culture to the gospel. Um, the, the, these are not light things. When, when the Bible talks about the, in Ephesians and, and elsewhere about the good works that we're called to do, it's not talking about just helping old ladies cross the street. It's talking about um, the gospel of dominion. It's talking about the gospel that is the good news that the king, the rightful king, is victorious and reigning, and that he is conquering his enemies and making them his people. Um, there, there is no. Paul is not the only Christian who is a slave of Christ. Every single Christian has been knocked to the ground and completely conquered by this king. And now you're being paraded, as he says to the Corinthians, in front of all to see as humiliated by the by thinking that you were strong, thinking that you were great. But Christ has come, thankfully, and taken you off your high horses, demolished your, your little reign and your little kingdom and your rebellion. That kind of mindset needs to be in the Christians in America today who think they're consumers, who think that they have individualism, who think that they're all this. Because the reality is that you're a slave of Christ and he's calling his people to act on his behalf. He's conquered you for a purpose. And it's not just for you to have your best life now and for you to be happy. It's for you to experience true joy, which only comes with complete submission to the master. That's the only way that the Christian can have joy. That's the only way that we can truly know what human is, is to experience a life of absolute submission to our king. And abortion exposes the American church culture as a really a fraud in this area. There is there are so many opportunities that we could have to end this thing. Um, but we are so comfortable. We like being accepted in the community. We like the dialogue back and forth with the atheists and secularism. We like being on CNN and on Fox News to bring the biblical perspective. Um, nothing wrong with those things in and of themselves. But if that's what we're focused on and we're not doing what the scriptures have commanded us to do, then it's really hard. To, I would say that we have yet to reach that joy that comes with the absolute, absolute submission to to the King who's conquered us. Because that's what we are. We're conquered enemies, former enemies, sinners saved by grace, wretch that we were. We were blind, but now we see. This is serious. Uh, the fact that we are still living and breathing in the kingdom of God is not for us. It's for Him. And abortion is an issue we need to be uh, actively involved with. You know what, John? You're a man, and until you carry a baby, you can't tell a woman what to do. 
one of the absolute most ridiculous ones I've ever heard. The fact that anyone, because of their gender or opinion on anything, the fact that they are who they are, that they can't have an opinion on what truth is. You're a man. You can't you can't say whether or not infanticide is is okay. Like if I want to just slaughter my two year old and chop him to pieces, like you're not you you didn't bear this child, so you can't tell me what's right and wrong. Or because you're not a Nazi soldier and you don't have to, you know, make sure that these Jews are all taken care of properly, you don't have a right to decide whether or not it's morally justified to gas them. So practical question for you guys. From what I've seen um, in online interactions, the uh, abolish, abolish human abortion. So they, from at least from my seeing them and speaking to others who see them interact, they, they, they get criticized for um, basically calling the church to repentance for not focusing primarily on this issue. So my question is for you guys, what do you think? I mean, obviously this is, it's important and we should be, we should be thinking about it and doing stuff for it. But how, how important is it? Should this be our number one primary focus because it is so bad as you know, as it seems like the AHA folks are saying that this should be every church should have some sort of mission ministry focusing on this. Every single Christian should be actively praying and fighting against this. If you're not, you're in sin. I mean, I don't, and I don't know if that's necessarily how, what stance they all take. I know a lot of people who are involved with AHA and, you know, are doing amazing work. I'm not bashing at all what they're doing, but what do you guys think about, where's the balance of, you know, how active should Christians be in abolishing human abortion? I think, uh, I think that um, the issue with abolish human abortion is that there are some people associated with the organization who are uh, not acting under the authority of eldership in their local church. Um, and even I've heard of some like church denominations starting that is like an abolitionist church or something like it's very strange. I think that if you want to get involved absolutely get involved and the best way to get involved is to go to your elders and say what do what do we have going on in the valley with regards to getting rid of abortion and if there's nothing ask them if you can start something because you totally could but if there's if there's no ministry at your church for that sort of thing at all um talk to your elders about starting it but the biggest thing is that you have to rem- you have to stay under the authority of your church. So if you're just going to go be a lone wolf and do this all on your own, then you have no accountability. Like at at bare minimum, at bare minimum, tell your elders what you plan on doing. Say, look, I plan to go, you know, picket in front of the local abortion clinic. And if they have a problem about it, talk, like talk with them about it because I'm sure that they would support you. Um, as long as they would support you in it if you're going about it in a righteous way. There's also um, Gary North. Gary North comes to mind when he in his open letter to, uh, I forgot the guy's name. You guys might know the name of the, the gentleman who killed the abortion doctor. Um, and G- Gary North wrote him a letter. Man, that letter is uh, 
we'll, we'll have it up for this episode as a resource. It's um, it's it 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 really it actually taught me a lot a lot about a biblical perspective on this. But Gary North, who of course is is very much against abortion, makes the point that listen, we're at such a place in our culture. Uh, abortion is so is is so rampant that yes, it's not a bad thing to show uh, dissent, like picketing the abortion clinics. He's like, but that is not going to stop it. There are there must there there we have to do other things. We have to uh, basically. Here's my thing with it with AHA, um, and I, I appreciate their heart. I do agree with Colin that you can't. Calling the church at, in terms of like the people of like the institution of Christ to repentance, you gotta be very careful in doing that. Like speaking to a church culture and to the Christians like we do on this, um, like we do on this podcast. Um, yeah, we, we, you know, if you think this way, you might want to repent, you might want to do this, but to go to a church and go on your own authority and outside of that, that, that's, I think that's unbiblical. You're violating a lot of, you, you can't do righteous and at the same time, Dis, dis, disobey scripture like and justify it. You can't. That's just not how it is. Um, but another issue that I have is that AHA, um, if you're only focused on abortion in that way of picketing and stopping, because now, now, now their focus is now not on that, but now on trying to get the church involved more by being very negative and actually sinful, that's not going to work. And so... By focusing just on abortion, I think ironically, they are shooting themselves in the foot from being effective against abortion. Because the way that abortion will stop is either A, with the judgment of God, um, which we already see it, or with uh, a great awakening or revival. Um, that's really biblically how a society, like how is Moloch going to be brought down? How is this this God of convenience, this God of that's that kills babies going to be brought down. It's going to not be, it's it, a million over a million lives a year cannot be saved through a, through a sign and pictures of babies at an abortion clinic. Now, again, it's a good thing to do that because there are lives saved that way, but, but, but not enough, not enough lives. So we need, and don't try to do it on your own. Well, do, do it under the authority of your church, but yeah, and but even but even just like even if it's under the authority of the church, try to see if if there's more people at your church that would be willing to go with you because it's it you're, it's a lot more effective when you're not just one crazy guy holding a sign. Bring a camera. That that also brings me to uh, to remember like uh, Dr. McDurbin when he was on. We talked about restoring America when we had uh, Pastor Matt Truhella on. He talked about like the the doctrine of the lesser magistrate. All these principles that post mill all coming from this idea that Christ is king and that he has given his church everything that we need to succeed in his mission. We must preach the gospel. We must preach not the gospel that is truncated, not the gospel that just says we'll go to heaven. And anyone, if you're new to that post mill, go to our page and we have a little thing, a little mini soda on what is the gospel. We believe that the Bible is big because the gospel is big. The gospel is more than just you can go to heaven if you believe in Jesus. The gospel is that he is king and he is bringing all things in subjection under his feet. The good news of the kingdom has come in Christ. The And the whole biblical narrative speaks of this kingdom and speaks of these covenants and, the, and all this. But the bottom line is that the way to rid the deal with abortion is to preach the whole counsel of God from your pulpits. And it is to disciple and, and produce mature disciples. 
Disciples that aren't just looking to go to heaven when they die, but the disciples are, that are looking to bring heaven down into this broken world because Christ has come. And that's the biblical model for change. That's the biblical model for society being renewed. Uh, my church has a thing we talk about all the time in our mission statement. We want to serve and renew the greater Dunedin area. That means that Grace Church, we need to be involved with all sorts of things. We need to feed the poor. We need to take care of uh, hurt children. But we also need to be in, involved in seeing that policies are just for the citizens. We need to we need we need to make sure that people don't just hear about how to go to heaven, but that they can that they hear about Christ who is King, and that they need to obey Him. And there's uh, so many aspects to life, and every single one of those aspects in life, Christ commands that commands repentance and and absolute obedience. So AHA, I would encourage you guys, and I don't, I, I'm not at all like bitter against you guys, and um, I have looked into you guys a little bit. I appreciate your heart. Trust me. Hopefully, just listen to us. You know that we're passionate. But I believe that abortion cannot be stopped simply through that means. I believe that abortion can be stopped through a gospel movement, which could be uh, a great awakening, which we've seen before in this country, or, or judgment, where America is no more, which Colin talked about like with the imprecatory Psalms, and God, please, please silence your enemies. Please stop the violent man from who sheds blood all day long. Like, please intervene and do something for for these for these children and as christians we need to get to a place of absolute surrender where we're okay with, with whatever god wants to do um but god is god has called us to to a great work and whatever he does with this nation let us be obedient to his word his spirit which speaks through his word um and if you just focus on the abortion clinic you are i think you're that's like i think that's just like a tip of the iceberg you can chip away at that tip and it will do some good, but we need a way to sink the whole institution and system, which comes from the enlightenment, which comes from certain bad theology and philosophies. It comes from men who don't want to be men. It comes from families being destroyed by pornography. If you guys don't think that abortion does not, that abortion is not at all affected or the way that it is because of pornography, then we have a big problem. So there's this, there's this system of evil at work. It's called the world. And we're not to love the world in that sense. We are to come against that world. Um, it is worldliness at its height. Worldliness is not listening to secular music or going to a radar or a movie like I was taught. Worldliness is abortion and pornography. It's antichrist thinking and doctrine. It is the enlightenment. It is thinking that the gospel's of no use and of no good and that it's this idea of pluralism, which says that everything is relevant, but the gospel needs to be shut up. Like this thing in our, this is what we need to really focus on, church. This is what we need to focus on. And elders, pastors, teachers, please teach your, feed his sheep. Teach them the whole counsel of God. Do not keep anything from them. Do not keep the imprecatory Psalms. Do not keep the, 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 the wrath that is shown through the prophets. For, for the injustice of the world from your people. Do not keep them from God's law. Don't just spend time on this verse and this thing that's so common, but go and give the whole counsel of God to your people and watch what happens to your society. Watch what happens to your church. And I'll end with this. Spurgeon. When I was in high school, this is one of the first uh, historical men that I read. And he uh, and everyone, who doesn't love Spurgeon? But he said, he said, to his to his pastors, to his students, to his pastor students. Do you want to see God grow your ministry? 
Do you want to see the walls of your church buckling from being so full of souls that are so desperate for the gospel? Then hear me and just preach the word of God in season, out of season, regardless of consequences, regardless of it's empty or full. You preach the word of God and let God worry about who hears and who comes and what happens. And the church needs to be brave like that again. And that's where we, I think we need to be. So that's, that's my, my word to AHA is to be submissive to the church that God has established and also realize that you're against the whole system, not just an abortion clinic. Yeah. Well, I turn to think of that quote, um, to kind of bring that balance again, that, you know, it's not that we shouldn't be, you know, mentioning abortion in our, in sermons because we don't want to focus too much on it. But, uh, who was that quote that said, Something like, um, it was basically calling out people who don't want to address the major issues of the day. Like, for example, abortion. Like, if abortion is the biggest thing, if you're not at least speaking out against this in some way, you're 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 in the wrong. Like, do you know what I'm talking about? Well, like, the, what? well, well there's the 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 piety the piety movement, and uh, like the piety movement would say that the most important thing, the only thing that the pulpit is for is to preach a personal piety and holiness. And that when we start preaching about the about politics and when we start talking about abortion in the pulpits, for example, or we start talking about the definitions of marriage or when we start talking about political issues in the pulpit, then we're actually doing, uh, we're, we're, we're not preaching the gospel. Because the piety, piety says that the gospel is you go to heaven because of what Christ has done. He's forgiven you of your sins. And so now the most important thing is your personal holiness. And the problem with the piety movement, it, I mean, obvious, the obvious answer is not biblical. But biblically, holiness is not defined only as a personal moral purity. Holiness is also actually primarily in the scriptures um, when he calls his people as a community, for example, uh, to be holy as he is holy. And then we see that repeated by Peter in his epistle that we are to be holy because we're a nation of priests. The idea is a community of God that is set apart for his purposes. That's what holy sanctified means to be set apart for God's work, for his mission, for his purposes. So the pietists take that main understanding of holiness and just basically stick to the practical personal outcome of one who is set apart for God's purposes. That is that their life is a holy, pure life. We need holiness, but holiness that just cares about one's personal purity is sin because you're ignoring God's command to do the work and labor of the gospel. And that is something that I think uh, evangelicalism is definitely, for the most part, a piety movement um, it, with, with like a political action kind of thing in certain areas. Um, but its piety has made it ineffective um, in a lot of ways where it wanted to be effective. Now, we need to be fair. The evangelical movement has done some great things. Um, it, it has done some some. I don't want to take it away and, and, and claim that my roots is evangelical or just all for not. But we want an honest discussion here. And when we talk about something like why is abortion so rampant? Why is marriage being in the place that it is? And I'm not just talking about gender. I'm talking also about the divorce rate. I'm talking about the, the, the lack of sanctity of marriage. I'm talking about the rise of pornography. Why? It's because the American church culture, for the most part, has fallen for this piety, which, by the way, should be a major sign that the Enlightenment and secularism, they don't really care about piety too much. They're fine with it. It doesn't threaten them because they can do whatever they want in the public square. They can do whatever they want with the culture. But when you start doing a true kingdom movement, 
a gospel movement. Watch how they come out. They start, man, in, in my neck of the woods here in Florida, we have the Freedom Against Religion Association that's all up in arms about, in God we trust on cop cars. Like they're calling for sheriffs to take it off their cop cars. They're doing all this stuff. Why? Because there's a, there's something going on right now in Florida. Um, churches are being planted. The gospel is being preached. And wherever that happens, you're going to see the enemy really get frustrated. And like that obese fat man dying on an old episode of Baywatch, flaring his arms about, causing all these problems. He's going down, though. He can hit whoever he wants. He can make all the noise that he wants. The kingdom of God is the only kingdom that will not be defeated. It's it's an everlasting dominion. And this is more than just a word that we just think is really cool. We believe this with our heart. And all Christians are to believe this. And when I see it working in my neighborhood, when I see Dunedin being actually served and renewed, when I see lives changed, man, and the reason I can see that is because I have elders and a pastor who push the people to go and do the work of the ministry. Um, and I think that if we have a, more, more churches that way, I think abortion uh, and, and all these things, will we can defeat it. We can defeat it. So do you guys want to speak at all about um, Planned Parenthood and some of the stuff that's been going on lately? I mean, I think there's there's been some people that have actually been, I mean, that's kind of the way that the media's been spinning it is um, that these people, you know, they lied and they were breaking the law and being deceitful to try to, you know, trick people and get these videos and all that stuff. But I think, I think that the, the issue with Planned Parenthood is overplayed, but I honestly don't really care that it's overplayed because I think any form of exposure uh, is good. But um, the thing, the thing about that, I, the reason I think it's overplayed uh, is not necessarily because I don't think that the videos are accurate or that they were, you know, deceptive or anything like that. Like I would grant that they're all completely true, and I still think it's overplayed because what does it matter that they're selling baby body parts? Like, say we completely stop them from selling the body parts. That doesn't solve the problem. The problem is that they're murdering them in the first place. Why are why are people up in arms now that they're selling the body parts and not for the last, you know, 40 years that they've been murdering children? One positive um, that I could maybe answer is that maybe seeing these videos has, has pushed a lot of people to finally come to terms with the, with the, the rationale that, wow, these are human beings. Uh, there's a little arm there. Um, they're actually talking. I mean, these are organs, like human organs that they're selling and that they're doing this. Um, the testimony of, of also the former worker, uh, the one that I, well, one of the ones that I saw where she was working there and um, like the first time she saw the parts, she blacked out and went through all this stuff. I think the, those testimonies are powerful to people too, to really just basically get a, finally get a human look at abortion. I know that sounds kind of weird. Because we argue, our argument is that they're humans, but the media and our culture has done such a good job at kind of hiding and denying the humanity of the fetus that when a video like this comes out, it doesn't matter what you've heard and it doesn't matter what you what you thought was going on. It's right there in front of you, and it you before before your mind works, your stomach turns. Um, and I think so. I, so that's one thing I. I agree. I agree with Colin 100 percent that uh, I'm not happy if they stop selling body parts, um, but I am happy that they're out there and that people that people's minds are being changed about abortion. It's become a hot topic again, as it should be, 
Um, it, it, you know, for a while, it's like abortion is just this thing that, oh, people are going to talk about abortion, religion, and taxes. Well, now it's a thing where people, where it's, it's gotten kind of a fresh, uh, a fresh energy to the conversation. And it, it's a conversation that, that a fight that needs to happen in America. And so that's one thing about the Planned, Planned Parenthood. Yeah, we got to keep up with this momentum and like a lot of people have been pushing to, you know, don't stop talking about it. Don't stop pushing it. Sign all the petitions. You know, it's, it's, it's big. It's, you know, they, Facebook and Twitter, and they may try to create their own trends, but they can't stop it from trending on there. It's, people are talking about it. So we got to, let's, let's keep it going. So keep, keep posting on it and talking about it and bringing it up. I think the, I think the first and foremost thing to do is to, um, get get people from your church together and pray about it and then uh, obviously talk to the elders about how to get involved in your community see if there's something that you can do um if the, the elders at your church need suggestions have them contact um Matthew Chuella um his church is literally notorious for um getting abortion clinics closed in in, in their town and and opposing the murder of the unborn there so um so he would have a lot of good suggestions about how to go about how to go about dealing with it politically how to go about dealing with it on a practical like you know how do i how do i pick at this clinic how does that work um jeff durbin and the guys at apologia also are an excellent resource uh, they do that sort of thing all the time and um babies are murdered here still a fantastic video that everybody needs to go watch use the use the publicity that Planned Parenthood is getting to get people to watch it. Oh, this is this was a heavy one, guys. Um, Colin, I, I I think that probably some of the best advice that I've heard and that we need to remember uh, is is prayer. It's really if 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 you're not praying about it, then you really don't care about it. And if you're if you're not praying, dis, if you don't have a disciplined life of prayer, it's really hard to be conformed. It's really hard to have your heart beat as. God's heart it beats this to be after his own heart if you're not spending time with him and in prayer not only individually but but as a community crying out to God to to save to save lives and to change hearts and not not only to save the lives of babies but to save the souls of mothers and 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 uh baby daddies who could be fathers if they would just repent and all that society that's so broken so i mean it's a it's a it's a tangled web this world uh, of sin. There's also there's many many components, um, and we need we need and another thing for AHA that I would kind of I said it but a, a little more simple is that we need to understand that God has called His people to all fronts in the in in, in the fight for the kingdom. Um, so there are some who are called to, to the abortion clinic. There are some who call who are called to uh, really expose uh, pornography. There are some who are going to be called to expose um, the, 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 the extended, the culture of extended adolescence in American men that is so glorified, um, that, that's a huge reason for abortion. Um, there's just, there, there's so many social issues and God in his great wisdom knows them all. And just because your brother in Christ is, that isn't compelled and called to the abortion clinic with you, um, you know, get to know them and talk to them because you might find that they're called to another front that you never even thought about uh, being involved in. So that's part of being the body of Christ. Um, so prayer is really a way to keep your sanity when you think about all that too. Um, just we, we, we cast our cares upon him because he cares for us. You know? 
All right. Well, get, guys, uh, get to church. Um, if you're listening to this podcast, you're not going to church. Don't listen to us again until you're in a church. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Maybe not. Maybe not that harsh. Keep listening. Hopefully, we can we can convince you that the only way to be effective um, as a Christian and to have joy, true joy, is to be a member of a local church, which is a manifestation of the universal kingdom of God in your community. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, that postmill one word one l that postmill dot com. So I'm back, guys. Um, are you guys? You know, I'm off. For, am I still on probation, or can I come back right <laughs> now? You can. You've redeemed back. yourself. Oh wait, are we still recording? Oh, sorry, we're still recording. Oh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm gonna keep that one on the end. <laughs> uh, well then, grace and peace, guys. God bless. Christ is reigning. Obey Him. Here, see gospel, everything, gospel, everywhere, everywhere.